Amen, amen. Hey, grab a seat and as you do, uh, get a Bible in front of you to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible under a seat or uh, in front of you in a seat back, uh, you'll find a copy of God's Word. Uh, grab that and turn towards the back of that Bible to this little book called 1 Timothy. Um, as you study the Bible, and if you started at the front cover and you made your way all the way to the back cover, you would come across some recurring themes. And as you came across these recurring themes, you, your heart would begin to understand like, wow, these things are really important on the heart of God. Like you see them in both Testaments, you see them in all different genres of the Bible. Like there's just some things that we see repeated throughout Scripture that the Lord just continues in His goodness to, to hammer home to us this is important on my heart. Um, this, this passage today hits on one of those topics that we see from cover to cover in the Bible that is really important on the heart of God, and the topic is the love and care of widows. Uh, I, I want to highlight a few verses throughout Scripture. Uh, Psalm 68.5 says this, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Aren't you thankful for that verse that reveals the heart of our Father for widows? Like, I, I, I want to I start with these couple verses, so just keep Psalm 68 on the screen right now, because I want to tell you at, at the outset, this, this passage we're going to study today is going to feel very tactical in some ways, very administrative in some ways, because um, it's a passage that spells out for us how widows are to be cared for. But as we get into the details of how widows are to be cared for, I don't want us to lose sight of this verse right here that speaks to us the character and the love of our Father for widows. He is Father of the fatherless, protector of widows, is God in His holy habitation. That's the character of our Father. Uh, James 1.27 says this, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And, and, and I, I, I could go all different places throughout Scripture that would communicate the love of the Father for widows. And in this passage that we are focused in on today in 1 Timothy chapter 5, like I said, is going to help us understand how widows are to be cared for. It's going to help a family members, literal family members, those of you who have widows in your family. What has God called you to in the care and the love? of the widows in your family, and it's going to help us as a church family understand what has God called us to as family in the care and the love of the widows within our household. Now, let me say this at the outset. I hope all of us in here will feel the weight of how important this is on the heart of God. I hope all of us in here feel the weight of how important this is on the heart of God. And yet I know some of us in here feel both the weight of the importance and the deep weight of the emotion of a topic like this. Because some of you in here are widows. And many of you in here may be the family member of widows. And, and I know that just this word carries with it, can carry with it, a very weighty uh, kind of emotional uh, burden, emotional weight that you feel as we walk through the passages for today. For, for my own family, right? For the extended Graham family, uh, this topic is very dear to our heart. Um, years before I was born, uh, my grandfather hopped on his motorcycle to head off to work. 
And my grandma, as she tells the story of that day, talks about how grandpa came back in one more time to give her a hug and a kiss and say goodbye, which wasn't normal. And he hopped back on his motorcycle, drove down the road, and someone leaving their driveway just didn't see him. And from his motorcycle to the presence of Jesus right there. And at that moment in the greater Graham extended family, the grief and the the mourning uh, struck. And for the next 40 years, my grandmother would live on this earth as a widow, seeking the Lord and serving her family. And and, and, and so this topic is very, very near and dear to uh, the heart of our own family, as I know it is for many of you sitting here. But here's what I hope today. I hope if you are a widow sitting in here, that through this passage, you would understand, even at a deeper way, in a, in a fresher way, God's deep love and care for you as your father. My prayer for you is if you're a family member of a widow who, who this passage is going to speak some very specific things to you, my prayer is that you would seek the father's care for you and providing some guidance and instruction to the privilege that he's called you to of serving those widows and her family. And then I pray for us as a church family that we would lean in. If this is this important on the heart of God, may it be this important on the household of God. Amen? And so today is all about this. Widows, widows this is what I believe this passage is going to teach us. Widows are to be cared for first by their own household and then by the church household. Widows are to be cared for first by their own household and then by the church household. And uh, I want us to take those things in their two parts. We're going to talk about the responsibility of family to care for the widows and their family and the responsibility of the church family to care for widows in our church family. Let me pray and ask for God's help as we make our way through this. Father, uh, Lord, we know this is near and dear to your heart. And Lord, as your household, we want to be faithful to what you've called us to. Lord, we want this household to be all about the things that, Lord, are, are, so, uh, are so close to your heart. And so, God, please, would your spirit be pleased to do a great work in making this teaching clear, Lord, and helping us to understand it, and then helping us to apply and live it as you've called us to. God, please, we pray for your help in that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to begin 1 Timothy 5, verse 3. Here's the, here's the first point, though, that I want you to get down. God calls the family, God calls the family to care for widows in our own household. Where do we see that here? Verse 3. Paul starts writing to Timothy, and he says this, Honor widows, and then there's, there's a, a bit of a unique phrase, Honor widows who are truly widows. I, I just want to stop there because we need to spend some time with that. Honor widows who are truly widows. You will see kind of this expression of those who are truly widows repeated two other times in this passage. It's, a, it's really odd when you think about it. Why, why would Paul describe widows and then widows who are truly widows? Now, remember the context in which Paul is writing this letter. Paul's writing this letter to Timothy to provide him guidance on how the household of faith is to operate. And so in this part of the letter, he's spelling out for Timothy uh, those widows that should be brought into formal care by the church household itself, and those widows who should be entrusted to care by their family, the primary care to be done by their family. And so if you look at verse 5, verse 5 can help us understand what Paul means by widows who are truly widows. Verse 5 says, she who is truly a widow, comma, left all alone. And so there's this, there's this distinction we need to understand that runs throughout this passage of, of widows who have family to take care and, and widows within the household who don't have anyone to take care for them. And this passage is going to tease out how they are cared for. 
Uh, in the CSB translation, uh, verse, uh, 1 Timothy 5.3 is translated like this. Support widows who are genuinely in need. So Paul instructing Timothy, Timothy, let the church at Ephesus know this is what the church needs to do. Support widows who are genuinely in need. But now Paul's going to address those widows who have family, how they should be cared for primarily. Verse 4, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them, the children and grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. And then this is really important, end of verse 4, for this is what? For this is what? For this is pleasing in the sight of God. And so Paul instructs Timothy, hey, Timothy, for those people in the household who have widows in their family, make sure they understand that it's God's desire that those children and grandchildren would, 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 would take up the mantle, would step into the call of being the primary caretakers of the widows in their own family. Uh, the way he describes it, he says that they would show godliness to their own household. He says that you may need to instruct some to return to their parents for their care. And then he says this is so important. This is pleasing in the sight of God. And so if I can just take a moment for those of you in the room who do have widows in your family and you are stepping into this call of making sure you're caring for them, I want you to know what the end of verse 4 says. This is pleasing to God. This goes up before him as an offering, as a fragrance of worship. Praise the Lord for your obedience to that call. It is so pleasing in the sight of your heavenly Father. And so he gives some clear instruction for the widows who have children and grandchildren. Children and grandchildren, take up the care. And, and I'm going to talk in a minute of, of some practical ways that we can take up that mantle of care. But then as verse 5 comes... Paul talks about the widow who doesn't have anyone, who's left all alone. Verse 5, she who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be, so that they may be without reproach. And so uh, we come to the middle of this paragraph, and Paul says, for those widows who are truly in need, who have no other family, who've been left all alone is the phrasing that he uses. He then describes like two paths. He says like they, they should set their hope on God, continue in supplications and prayers night and day. That, that those who've been left all alone, they are looking to the Lord in prayer, in constant prayer and supplication to be the provider, to be their father, to be their protector. And then in the next paragraph, we're going to get there. Paul's going to unpack how God will use his household to provide that provision and protection and care for these widows. So that's the first path. They've set their hope on God. Their lives of prayer and supplications to the Lord. But then Paul says there's this danger of another path for a widow. She who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. And in the next paragraph, Paul's going to unpack of some of the dangers of that as well. And it seems that in the church at Ephesus, there, there were some problems, uh, some, some issues that have had arisen in the church. 
in which the church was stepping into care for some of the widows there, and the widows, instead of stepping into some of their roles to build up the household of God, were instead veering off into self-indulgence and in, in, in things that were tearing down the body of Christ. And so Paul speaks to these two paths, but then in verse 8, he comes back with a charge to the family. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives... And especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. How many of you throughout your life, maybe growing up in church, how many of you ever heard that verse before? Raise your hand if you've heard that verse. Familiar with that verse? You know, often um, I hear that verse and, and um, sometimes you can hear that verse used out of the context in which God uses it here. Yeah, you know, I might be unique in that regard, but sometimes, you know, throughout ministry, I've, I've sat down with, with future father-in-laws who may be less than impressed with a future son-in-law. And they're like, I didn't even have a job. If you don't provide for your own relative, right? And I get all that, right? He should get a job if he's going to marry your daughter. Okay, I'm with you on that. But I want us to understand the context primarily that we find this person. What's the context? It's, to, it's about care for widows. That's the context we find that verse in. And so now, with that on our mind, everyone take a deep breath, take a deep breath. I want us to hear the glorious weightiness that God brings to this. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow. I think we all can agree, like, this is a very big deal in the heart of God, isn't it? That if God, in his providence, has allowed a widow to be part of our family, that God looks to us as family members following him to say, to the glory of God, we are going to give ourselves to the care and love of our mom or of our aunt or of our sister or of whoever it may be. Now, I totally understand, right? Like, I, I, I experienced this much with grandma and, and some of the grandchildren role that it could, but I totally understand. I don't yet know some of, 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 of how hard and, and how glorious, but how challenging that can be for some of you who are children in here. And so I want to provide just maybe some handlebars to just say, well, okay, what does it look like to love the widows in our family well? How do we care for widows in your family? The first thing I would say is this. It's, it's, it's provision. It's providing. And now I, I totally recognize when I say that, that your, all of the circumstances that are represented in this room can look vastly different. Some of us may have widows in our family who are well provided for. There were means that were put in place and, and things were all said and, and there's great, great provision. Others of us may find ourselves on the other end of the spectrum. But one of the things I do think that God has entrusted to us is ensuring that the widows in our family have been provided for, are being provided for, are being taken care of. And it's good for us to wrestle and to talk, okay, what does that look like and how do we ensure that that's happening? I think another thing is protection. As you come back to that Psalm 68 understanding and as we look at the character of God, that he is a protector of widows and that we as his people are to step in and to make sure that the widows within our family are protected 
that this is part of the heart of God. And in, in whatever that protection may look like in the specific circumstances in which you find yourself. Uh, what does it look like to serve the widows in our family? It looks like just the practicalities of life. How do we help in the practicalities of life? Things in the house break, don't they? Cars should start every time we turn the key, but they don't. The spring rolls around and lawn care is needed to be done. How do we ensure that as we're thinking about all of those practicalities that happen in our own lives, that we're going, there's rhythms, there's processes in place in our, our life to make sure the widows in our family are also cared for in the practicalities of their life. And then the last one I would lay before us is this, is proximity. I could have said it different, but I didn't start with a PR. So proximity, relational nearness, relational nearness, that the letters are frequent, the calls are frequent, the visits are happening, that we are, we, we are making sure for the widows in our family that we are staying relationally near. And that between the whole family, right, the, the kids and the grandkids and, and, and the rest of the family, that, that we are making sure that we're staying relationally near to those in our family who are widows. Now, for those of you in the room who this is like you're living this, you are seeking to obey God and be faithful to what he's called you to in the care of widows in your family. It is okay for you to turn to your church family and say, can you help with that? Can you help us with that as we seek to live that out? And that within community, we can make sure that we're living out this command in the way that God has called us to live out this command as his people. But now as we turn to the next, as we turn to the next paragraph, Paul's going to get a bit more specific in what do we do for those widows who don't have family or who have been left all alone. And what does it look like for the church to step in as the primary means of care and love for those widows? Second part of the message, God calls the church family to care for widows in our household who have no family. Or to use the words of the passage, who've been left all alone. So what does that look like? Verse 9, let a widow be, what's the word? Let a widow be, come on, enrolled. Now, there's some formality to that, isn't there? I want you to think about when, we, when you often hear the term enrollment. Hey, someone shout out, what, what, what do you often associate the word enrollment with? Schools. Right? I, I think about going to college, and, and I knew very clearly when I was enrolled and when I wasn't enrolled, and I knew what being enrolled meant, and I knew what I could look to the college to provide, and I, I knew what my responsibilities of enrollment were. But, but enrollment carries with it some, some sense of formality, and, and I think this is really important for us as a church. That, there's, that we understand there's this beautiful interaction that God has deemed that, that he wants no needy person among us, right? Acts chapter 2, right? When you see the body of Christ forming, there's no needy person among us. God wants no needy widows among us, amen? And so he's created processes. He's created an enrollment that the church would know and would step in to go, we will care, we will provide, we will do all of those P words that I just listed, protect and provide. We'll stay close in pro relational proximity. 
We'll help with the practicalities of life. We got you. This is what God desires. But you know what? As we came to this passage, we're six years old as a church, and you know what we found? We need to have a much more formalized process to ensure this is happening in our midst. When the church was younger and when the church was smaller, you could lean on a lot more informality, just checking in, just as our church is growing, we need to have a very formal understanding to make sure that there is no one who's part of the Redeemer household who's not being cared for, who biblically is called by God to be cared for, amen? And so a big part of our June elders meeting is on this topic right here. We have like six things we're working through all related to this to make sure we have very clear enrollment. It's very clear what the, how the church comes in and provides, and it's clear to all of us. And then all of us, all of us live out the execution of this to the glory of God. Amen? So it's not just a program that the church has, but all of us are seeking to carry the weight for the care of the widows in our household. Now... Paul then, so he says there's, there's this enrollment. Let a widow be enrolled. He then goes out to spell out some qualifications for this. He says there, there's some things that are be, to be true of a widow in order to be enrolled, to be primarily cared for by the church. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. So there's some qualifications here. And so I, I want to summarize these qualifications like this. What are the factors for the church enrollment? The, 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 the church is carrying the primary responsibility for the care of widows who've been left all alone, who have no one else in their lives to care for them. There's one, there's a need factor. This is what I've been trying to spell out about these, these paragraphs for this whole message, that this reality that they have been left all alone. There's a need for the church to carry the baton for this. Two, there's an age factor. Now, if you look back in verse 9, it says, let a, let a widow be enrolled if she is, and, and what's the age? Not less than 60 years of age. Now, there's an, we, we got we to do some interpretation here. Not around that number, but around what is Paul's heart for giving this number. Okay? So here, here's some possible interpretation understanding. This A is a hard and fast. No one under 60, even if they're in need, is ever enrolled to be primarily cared for by the church if they're a widow. 60, boom. The other way to interpret this is Paul is giving general principles. They're, these are general principles that are to guide the way a church thinks about their widow enrollment process. I, I want you to know, I'm on the side of Paul's giving general principles that a church should follow for widow enrollment. Now, if you're a good, right, you come, to a, you come to a church with Bible in the middle name, you should be asking a question. Hey, pastor, it says 60. How you get around that? Okay. We have to understand the time and the culture in which this is written. Most Bible scholars that you'll study, at least that I lean on to help me understand the Word of God, they all do a great job of explaining. In this day, in this day, do you know what they considered to be elderly or to be culturally old? 60. I said in that day, I didn't call you old, okay? I said, 
when you think about lifespan realities in that day, I think what Paul is doing, he's laying down to go, we're talking about those who are advanced in age and who need to lean on the church for their primary care. And so, like, how that gets played out practically, right? If we had a, a needy widow in our church who didn't have any family, we don't think that the application of the heart of God to be going to go, hey, you're 59, give us a year and we'll be waiting for you, right? We just don't think that. So Paul's giving this general sense of this age factor of elderliness, of, of, of old, of what is considered old age. Now, we can disagree on that. We can have good discussion on that if you're on the other side of that interpretation. But I just wanted to make sure, you know, you kind of understood where I am on that. Uh, thirdly, there seems to be a marital faithfulness factor. Uh, Again, in verse 9, if she's not less than 60 years of age, and then it says this, having been the wife of one husband. Again, there's some interpretation we got to do there. If you remember, when we were talking about qualifications of an elder, we came across this phrase, uh, the husband of one wife. Uh, Literally, in the Greek, it means a one-woman man. And we said our interpretation of that is not that anyone who has ever had a divorce in their past is automatically disqualified, but rather someone should be be showing a pattern of a one-woman man life. Uh, We believe the same application is here, that it's not a disqualifier of any woman who's a widow who has ever had a divorce at any time in her past, but rather she is showing the character pattern of being a one-man woman in her life. So... There's a marital faithfulness factor. And then the fourth thing I'll say is this, a character factor, a general character factor. And you see what Paul does in verse 10. It says, having a reputation for good works. And then he gives some examples of these good works. If she's brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. Hey, this is off the cuff. This is bonus content for a service didn't get. Uh, Ladies in the room, I want you to notice something. As the Bible spells out a reputation for good works, one of the good works mentioned here is the bringing up of children. Thank you for your good work of that. It's a massive work. It's a massive work. And thank you for it. And God looks down on it as a good work pleasing in his sight. And so there's this this character reality. Now, so you have this enrollment. This is for the widows who are in need. They have no family to provide. Here's the qualifications. And then Paul does something else. Paul's now going to say, but refuse to enroll widows like this. Does the Bible really say that? I was, uh, my parents are always watching our sermons from Michigan, and we've been walking, right, we're walking through First Timothy that dad's been watching, and I'm talking to him on the phone, he's like, hey man, Paul doesn't mince words, does he? I'm like, no, he doesn't. Like, Paul gives some clear direction, do not enroll certain widows. Look at what he says in verse 11, but refuse to enroll what widows? Younger widows. Okay, why? For when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander, for some have already 
strayed after Satan. Can we agree there's some heavy language there too? Okay, uh, again, right? This letter's written in a context, a context of a local church, the local church in Ephesus. It seems that some things going on within that local church is you had younger widows who were being enrolled. They were, they were getting their provision from the church. It seems, right, and I would encourage you, study this passage deeper. There's a lot to it that I can't go fully into today. It seems that as part of that enrollment, as I said quickly at the outset, there was this mutual understanding of the church was providing for the widows, and the, the widows were like pouring themselves into the good of the church through prayer and through serving different households. And, and what it seems was happening is that the, the younger widows would, would at times come on, to, on the rolls, And instead of living out the ways to build up the rest of the household, they were taking that support and then becoming a bit of a a, a spiritual drain, so to speak, on the household. By living not in a godly way, but by taking that support and using it to enable to live live in ways that don't build up the household. And so Paul says, do not put a younger widow in that situation. And then he gives an encouragement, not a command, right? There's a lot of godly young widows who were widowed at a young age and lived until the Lord called them home without remarrying. But he gives an encouragement, not a command, that I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. And then after all that, after all that guidance to the local church on how we're to step in and care for the widows in our midst, he comes back to a word to family members. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Again, what's God's heart and what's Paul's heart in that? Paul's saying, relatives, Be the primary care for the widows in your family so that the church is freed up to care for the widows in our midst who have no one else to care for them. Some weighty stuff, isn't it? And yet, all of the specifics, I I, I want us to zoom back out now for a minute. And I want us to understand all of these specifics God gives around this topic are because our Heavenly Father in his holy habitation, loves to care for the widows in our midst. And in his household, this should be the model of the watching world to ensure that this is happening, both in our family households and in our church family households. Amen? Widows are to be cared for first by their own household and then by the church 